Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Happy lunch hour, everybody. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa Leahy. It's Let's Talk Sports here on a Tuesday afternoon. Well, hot off the presses, if you will, the news about golf. Uh, with the three tours, PGA Tour, Live Golf, and DP World Tour coming under an umbrella. And, you know, truth be told, I'm not the biggest follower of, player of golf, but it's one of those stories that, you you know, it's been kind of percolating for a while, lawsuits, disagreements, top players is showing their allegiances and loyalties to their respective tours or jumping to Live. And it's one of those things that really kind of put golf not the game or the talent or the golfers as the reason why, but the political elements that was behind all this squabbling put golf more and more so on the map, if you will, with media, with coverage, with discussions. But now it seems like what seemed to have been something that was absolutely not ever going to unify, it unifies. So there is hope for the world in world peace. So when you have the Miss America pageant and the Miss World pageants and how they always joke about, you know, when they have the interview questions, what do you wish about? I want world peace. There could be. If the golf professional leagues can do it, well, by golly, maybe the um, public sector arena across the world can happen. But on all seriousness, when you think about what was, it kind of bogs the mind, if you will, how it was... But this is one of those things where there is a real, it seemed like there's a real line in the sand that was drawn between, uh, I'm not going to include DP World Tour as much, but the PGA and Live. I mean, it was either you're on that side of the room or you're on this side of the room. And there were players, obviously name players that defected, you know, that really kind of captured uh, this whole th- media circus that revolved around it. In, and the money was the biggest thing, where the money was come. That threw in the political aspects of where the money was coming from, from Saudi Arabia. All those kinds of things. And suddenly you had the element of big money as a factor. And big money plays significant roles in a lot of areas of other sports, professional sports, college sports. Big money makes things move. You think of college sports and conference realignment. It has nothing to do with geography and loyalty. It's big TV money that has uh, led to that. And I was thinking about how this all plays into things just on a even a grander scale. And someone once used the term disruptors. So when you look at how things are, whether it be a brand, whether it be a process, whether it be a culture of how you do things and how people live daily lives, there have been disruptors that have come across, some harsher than others, that have changed the way you and I will think of things, how we do things that are just everyday situations. For example, if you look at television, For those of us OGs, right, who are over the age of 45, I'd say over the age of 50, you remember when there were only the major networks and it was free television. Of course, you can also remember possibly not even having remotes. You actually had to go up to the TV and turn the channel. But you had just the three major networks plus the others, ABC, NBC, 
CBS, um, you know, PBS, and a couple others. But basically, it was those three. That's where you got your television entertainment. Then cable TV comes in in the late 70s and talk about disruption. Suddenly, what was just standard of the way of how TV was consumed changed significantly. What? You you could pay? You had to pay? That was the one big culture switch. But then when you paid, you had, woo, a plethora. And look how things are now. Cable TV is the standard. It is the means of which you don't have antennas on your house anymore. You don't have rabbit ears. It is just the standard of how things multi-channels. And if we look even in that, think about with sports, ESPN. Suddenly, there became a network that said, we're going to focus on one subject matter, one niche area, and just go 24-7. Now, you have other sports networks. You have the major networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, with cable sports networks. And then you have networks that focus on just one thing all the time in other areas, whether it be just news, just cooking, just music. So, you know, these, how you engage the, the audience, you have these disruptors. Another one that comes br brought up, and maybe it's more recent, is Amazon. How did Amazon change the way retail, how you thought of what you just went to buy your daily consumer goods, suddenly there you can do it online. You can have it delivered. And all of that changed. And, of course, there were some retail, big industry leaders in retail that suddenly succumbed to the online factor of shopping and how people just got their daily stuff, clothes, shoes, groceries. And so these are disruptors. So when Live Golf came in, they were a big disruptor to the sport. PGA was the way things were done. How that, how they were organized. If you wanted to be a golfer, this is the way to do it. If you were a star in the PGA, you had to stick with how PGA came about. Some people say maybe Live Golf really appealed to the stars because suddenly you just were rolling out bigger, bigger money for names that maybe you know they were they were they did they were successful in PGA, but now you could make bucket loads that they weren't making before, like the Phil Mickelson. And, and they always said, like, these guys who had name recognition, but maybe over the past few years, you know, the performance wasn't as good as it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But they still had name recognition. They could still draw mar mar you know, marketing. You know, they got their sponsors, but they weren't as good on the course as they once were, age up-and-come young guys, you know, that's just the way sport is. But suddenly you have this tour saying, you still got value, tons of value. Here's the money in front of you that we can offer you if you just play with us. Different formats, all that kind of stuff. Suddenly that disrupted things. I mean, we can go and look in other professional leagues as well. I mean, how they disrupted to different levels, you can argue that with the NBA and when the ABA came along. Um, NFL and the AFL, and now you still see XFL and USFL, but NFL has shown that they can weather the storm. They're the biggest ticket in the market. No matter what you throw out there, NFL is king. But back in the prior to 1970, the AFL got, 
you know, different rules, made it more exciting. They were able to draw some of the top stars from college, so forth and so on, led to a merge. Same thing with the NBA, different color ball, getting some stars out of college, giving them the three-point line, all these other things suddenly really disrupted how the NBA produced their game, led to a merge. Here we have another merge. So it's, you know, disruptors are these, whatever angle you look at, money, finances, uh, movies, entertainment, all of these things, when disruptors come in, you got to play with it. NIL, talk about that policy change in college athletics, and suddenly that is a huge disruptor in the way college sports is going to be moving forward. How you recruit is different. How you coach is going to be different when you add in the portal as well. So everything that was part of what was the kind of the foundation of college athletics significantly had to be adjusted. And coaches who could adapt to that stayed on. Some of the older coaches who said, you know, this is enough. I don't want to deal with that, you know, found the time to say, I'm going to do more time golfing. <laughs> segue into that. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth about this whole golf merger with Guy Yamamoto. He's the general manager at Royal Hawaiian Golf Club, also as a former University of Hawaii golfer, was the U.S. Public Links champion in 94 and allowed him to participate in the Masters in 95. Also happening is, of course, the NBA playoffs. And I love basketball. I really do. And so it boggles my mind when I see some players and how they succeed. And the Joker, Nikola Jokic, boggles my mind. It just trips me out how a guy that, when you watch him, he looks out of shape. He looks kind of lumbering. He doesn't have the athleticism. He's big, but this is not the big man in the low post anymore. He's European, so yeah, he faces the basket. Okay, I see that. But it's one of those things where Next thing you know, holy cow, another triple-double. Or, wow, it's, you know, 18 points in a quarter and six assists. And wait a minute, how did he get all those assists? It, it kinda, it's kind of like this cloud. It just happens and you don't realize it's happening. When you watch Jordan, you saw it happening. When you watch Magic John Johnson, you saw it happening, you know. And part of it is the personality. Part of it, obviously, is athleticism. But with the Joker... It happens almost under your nose, and you don't realize it. It's kind of discreet. It's kind of clandestine. So we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA, the playoffs, with Derek Lowe, color commentator here on ESPN Honolulu for University of Hawaii men's basketball, former All-State Player of the Year from Iolani, All-Pac-10 back then from Washington State. So we'll chat with him about that. If you have any comments or questions, 808-296-1420 is the number. You can text or call. And those will be the hot topics of today. Golf, not always leading the conversation sometimes, but today it's worthy and NBA and other topics of note. Going into the summer, I know we got, um, I know we're going to be talking a little bit later as we progress through the summer, a lot of summer baseball. We're going to have some Cal Ripon coming up. It'll be interesting to know, uh, in a, and just throwing it out there, like, how many families are going to be traveling this summer with their kids' baseball tournaments? 
I, I kind of get stunned by how many baseball tournaments for kids are out there, and it's gotten more and more and more popular, it seems like, every summer. And younger and younger and younger. Nine-year-olds are going to the mainland to play tournaments. Before, he thought maybe the 12s, right, when the Little League World Series, okay, that really kind of blew things up. And now it's like there's tournaments for all kind of ages. Of course, there's still the older ones, the high school age or the middle high school age guys. They, yeah, they travel, but, man, they're getting younger. I never got to travel like that with a team when I was under 10 years old. Yeah, that just... It just well, it's a disruption. I gotta adapt. That's just how it is in life. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the new umbrella of professional golf. And it's gonna be chatting with Guy Yamamoto. After this break, this is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Well, it's uh, June 6th, so we're into the summer. Beat the heat with Fujitsu Air Conditioning Systems. They come with a 12-year-all parts warranty. Soon you'll be saying, I love my Fujitsu. Our next guest definitely loves golf. He was a University of Hawaii golfer back in the 80s, won the U.S. Public Links Championship in 94, and therefore got to participate in the Masters in 95. Joining us now is Guy Yamamoto. Guy, thanks for coming on with us. Hi, Dave. How are you? Doing good. You know, first of all, I did just want to get your general thoughts about the news today with the merger of PGA, Live Golf, and, of course, the DP World Tour. General thoughts? Um, I think overall, in the long term, it'll be better for the for the game. You know, I'm, I'm not any more uh, privileged in the news than any of the 99% uh, of the public, so... <laughs> I just get my my information the same way everybody else does, but I think overall it's a, it's a good thing for the game. Guy Yamamoto joining us on the Aloha Kia Hotline. It, did you think a merger could have been something that could happen, considering how really testy and legally they were such at odds, as particularly Live and PGA, that something like this could have happened? You know, I, I I was always of the thought like you know there's there's enough golf to go around and you know like um, I think we had discussed before there's uh, you know the PGA Tour used to kind of end their season sort of at the end of uh, September or August whenever the PGA Championship used to finish and and then it became the silly season you know and uh, Fred Couples won a lot of tournaments in November and um, in the, so I, I always thought there's probably room for other golf tournaments and other tours that could coexist. And, um, you know, I, I guess calmer heads have prevailed and, um, you know, everybody has agreed to come to the table to discuss their various uh, interests, I guess. So gauging kind of from your, your saying that, you know, there, there was enough golf to go around. When Liv first kind of came on board and saying, we're going to do this, you know, there were some, obviously, that said it really took either one side or the other. It was kind of yay or nay. Yeah, this looks great or absolutely no way. And I think a lot of it had to do with, obviously, the where the money was coming from, right, the political elements with that. So considering that, when Liv first came to the public's attention, to your attention, did you have 
any strong opinion back then. You know, it, it's uh, kind of above my pay grade, so to speak. You know, I don't have any a stake in the PGA Tour. And, you know, and I think, you know, being, that being said, um, you know, I think they're all independent contractors and they made the best decision for their own individual needs. Um, did I agree with it? Not 100%. But, you know, everybody has their own reasons. And, um, you know, you can't fault them for that. Um, you know, if, if you look at Dustin Johnson, he's close to 40 and, you know, on the backside of his career. And if they offer him a lot of money, you know, personally, I think that was a, a sound decision for him. Uh, and, but I, I think, you know, credit should lie with the people who remained uh, loyal to the tour, you know, Tiger, Rory, Justin, Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, Colin, they, they stuck with the tour. And so I'm not sure how that's going to, you know, wear with them in the short term, but I think overall they'll see the benefits of having a unified organization. Guy Yamamoto, also general manager of the Royal Hawaiian Golf Club, participated in the 1995 Masters, 94 U.S. Public Links champion, joining us here on the Aloha Kia Hotline here on Let's Talk Sports. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa Lehi. You know, do you think, and again, this is just, you know, a general perspective on stuff, but the big thing that always pops into my head a lot of times is when this news first came out about the Live Tour was the money, the amount of money that was being offered to some of these golfers. And obviously, it almost became a no-brainer. I mean, someone offers you this kind of money to play and play less, and you know, compared to what they were getting just to play, not including sponsorships. If, if the money wasn't so huge, like if it was nominal, like, on par with something there, the earnings they could win at a if they won the Masters or something. If it was a l less than that astronomical amounts that Liv was offering, do you think that would have made a, any difference in terms of public perception? Um, it's, it's tough to say, right? I mean, um, you know, the, it was a lot of money, and for people, you know, like if you're injury prone and you've got a lot of money to play, and you could you could lengthen your possible career uh, maybe you know like like i said right they make they made their own decisions because they're own each their own individual contractors but um i think you know the game is larger to a certain extent you know winning the winning a major or winning several majors and you know if, if that's where you want to um have your name known you know you want to be known as a, a uh, five times major, you know, golf tournament champion. Um, you know, it's something that cements your legacy uh, versus, you know, someone who took $10 million. But it, it's hard to say, right, because everybody has their own reasons and, you know, they're, they're looking out for number one, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't really fault them for that. Hey, by the way, do you, how often do you get to play now? I know you're busy running the golf club, but... I mean, it's right there in front of you. How often do you get to play every now and then? And, uh, you know, I, I try to get out once a week and play with my friends and, um, you know, an occasional competition. I played Francis Brown football over the over the last couple of weekends, and my poor partner, I, I, I think I sent him to the chiropractor. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is there any place that you have not played at but would love to play at? 
Um, you know, I it, it's on my my so to speak bucket list to to go to Europe and go to St Andrews and you know I, it's you know the, the home of golf I guess so it that's kind of what is a very alluring I guess to and I've never been to Europe so it'd be a very uh, interesting trip for me. Oh, that, and they have the Open right at St Andrews. Yep, that's right. So. You know, a little different style golf course, and um, right, they, you know, they, it, you know, they're, very, you know, that's where the game started. So I think it would just be very entertaining to go there. And you're the best person to ask this because I, I'm, I, I don't play very much, so I don't know the intricacies. But one of the things that anytime you watch when they show the Open on television, the weather is always kind of a element there it's colder you know or there may be some rain and i know a lot of times even for some of the other majors rain is a big factor but tell me what is how does it affect your game first how does rain affect and how does cold affect your game um well for us in hawaii cold is usually not a factor right but (laughs) um I've gone to places where it, it's colder and you hit a shot that's thin or, you know, kind of you hit it low on the club face with an iron and the vibration, it kind of hurts your hand. It's, <laughs> it's um, it, it, you know, I think for, especially for, you know, people that grow up in warm weather climates, you know, wearing extra clothes and swinging. And I think now, you know, the fabrics are so much more performance oriented. So, you know, you can make a better swing at it and even wearing a, a rain suit, you know, rain suits are much more fitted versus the rain suits of maybe 30 years ago. And, you know, the materials are lighter and they stretch a little. So it's actually somewhat uh, easier to swing in. Uh, you know, rain's tough for everyone. You know, keep, keeping your hands dry or your grips dry is always a tough, tough thing. And I think the wind, you know, is always, uh, you know, we play in wind in Hawaii, so we're, we're accustomed to it. But, you know, you at, at the best, you know, the top level golfers, you know, they always focus on hitting the ball solid because if you don't hit it flush, you know, your mistakes get magnified. You know, the wind just accentuates a poorly hit shot. Okay, well, I should play in the wind because then I can always blame that for the reason why it's going 90 degrees to my right or 90 degrees to my left instead of saying it's just, it's just my swing uh, up. Great. I always got to ask you now. I always got to ask you a golf question because I, I need all the help I can get. Guy Yamamoto <laughs> on the phone with us on the Aloha Kia hotline. What I know you as far as locally on the golf scene with junior golf and golfers coming up the ranks, like maybe on the high school level or even some that you're aware of playing local kids, maybe playing collegiately. How would you kind of assess kind of the local talent in golf at this point? Um, you know, the, there are a lot of the pool is is a lot deeper now. I think overall, there's a lot more kids playing golf and kind of a resurgence. You know, there was that upswing when Tiger was, um, you know, in his prime and people got interested. But now, you know, golf during the pandemic was an activity that you could do safely, so to speak. And so, you know, I think you know um, a lot more new golfers to the game, and um, but. I think the state of junior golf in Hawaii, it's, it's definitely on the upswing. You know, we have some really good players that are, 
leaving the junior ranks and moving on to college, you know, I think the easiest example I could give is uh, Raya Nakao from Punahou. You know, she's two-time state high school champion, and she's going to go to a Pac-12 school at Oregon, I think Oregon State, to play golf. And, um, you know, to win once is great, but to win twice is quite an accomplishment. Oh, no doubt. I mean, even to, to win anything more than once is in golf, is the, the stakes are so high. Hey, well, I, I appreciate you coming on on short notice to give us a little perspective and your thoughts related to this merger. Naturally, like anything else, and I agree with you, there's a lot of golf to be had. Hopefully, we just see the players, the best players playing at the best tournaments and mano a mano, that kind of thing. So thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. Take care. All right, take care. That's Guy Yamamoto, former 90, well, 90. He is former when I'm giving you the year of way back when. <laughs> 1994 U.S. Public Links champion. Also played golf at the University of Hawaii and participated in the Masters. And he also mentions in that 95 Masters, um, the winner of the U.S. Amateur that participated in 95 Masters was Tiger Woods. So that was the first time he got to play there. So he got to play with Tiger the same time they were playing their first time at Augusta. So that's always a little nice thrill. I, it, to wrap the whole golf thing up, I think maybe as a periphery consumer like myself, I think it's just you just want to see the best against the best. Yeah, you want to see the best guys and gals in their respective tours, but the, going up head-to-head, -head, like if these are the big tournaments – if these are the majors, you want the best there and to see them go head-to-head -head against each other and may the better golfer win. And I think in the in the end, I think when you merge and you do that, now all of them are back in the same pot. Now, there's a whole lot of legalities that need to work out. And so although on the surface everything is in the moving in the, direct, the right direction, you know, there's going to be pushback from both sides. Um, you hear in the reports I read that some of the none of the players were aware that this is going to happen. So obviously some of them are going to be shocked. But you get over the shock, you kind of put some agendas aside. And I think if you think about the game of golf, which everybody at their core wants to think about, is it better? We'll see. It seems better. It seems like unified collaboration is always better. So we will move forward with that. All right. Take a timeout when we come back. Derek Lowe will join us. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs, NBA championships, the finals coming up. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. You know, if I could play golf one thirty-second of the skill level that Guy Yamamoto has, I could get by on that. I could. One thirty-second of hit. Now he's one of the better ones that ever to come out of the state of Hawaii. But even one sixty-fourth of his overall level, I could get by on that. I really could. I'm a therapeutic golfer. Other people feel so much better after they golf with me. It is your lunch hour, folks. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanole here on Let's Talk Sports. You can also join Cole Mossaw for athletes. That's athletes with a capital E A T S on our YouTube channel or ESPNHonolulu.com. See the latest episode and get to know Rainbow Wahine ballers Ashley Toms and Kelsey Mai with grinds from Andy Sandwiches and Smoothies. Brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. That's a perfect 
one to have right here in the lunch hour. All right, let's talk a little NBA. The finals are going on. Interesting stories when you think about the two teams, the star players, and all of that stuff. So I always love talking some basketball with someone who just knows it in, out, around, and to the side. Joining us now on the Aloha Kia Hotline, former player of the year out of Iolani, also all Pac-10 back in Washington State, and the color commentator here on ESPN Honolulu for University of Hawaii men's basketball, Derek Lowe joining us. Hey, hey, De hey Derek, how's it going? Hey, Dave, what's going on? Everything's good. Very good. It's the NBA Finals. Uh, before we talk about the individual stuff, who it's one and one. Who are you predicting will win? Oh, Oh, man, you went right to the tough <laughs> question, huh? <laughs> right of from course. the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I like, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I think I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I I, I really like how um, uh, Jamal Murray, man, that guy is pretty amazing. Huh? His versatility, the way he can score, he's sleepy athletic, too. And then um, I, I like the role players that they have. You know, they got Gordon, uh, but um, and then uh, Porter. You know, all big, uh, versatile wing players. And then, of course, you got Jokic, who is almost pretty much impossible to guard. You know, whether on the perimeter or inside. So I think they got a lot of weapons. But I'm gonna go with Nuggets. And speaking of the Nuggets, here's, <clears throat> and I was I was mentioning this when the show started. You know, when I watch a game, like, with great talent, right, great stars, in whatever level you watch, it's happening in front of you. You can see it, whether it's the athleticism, whether it's the skill level. If, you know, when Jordan is playing, you can just see how he can shut an uh, offensive player down on defense, his, uh, you know, aggressiveness to the – his athleticism above the rim, you see it. Um but with Nikola Jokic, it's one of those things where I can be watching a game <laughs> and yeah. the game is going on. And then when they end of the first quarter or end of the second quarter and they show the stat line, you go, what, what? Wait, really? He has 18 points, nine assists and seven <laughs> rebounds in only one and a half quarter. You know, it just kind of happens almost discreetly because you don't see it. He's not athletic. If anything, you just see this big lumbering dude kind of going up. I mean, granted, he has some handles, and he, but he just doesn't look the part. He, you don't see it happening. As a basketball guy, how is he so good? I, I know. That's a good question. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, he looks... He doesn't look like a basketball player at all. He kind of doesn't. He doesn't have that basketball body, you know, that that looks in shape and muscular. Uh, he he doesn't have the quicks. He doesn't have the vertical. But you know, uh, one thing I can say about Jokic is he he has really high level IQ. Um, he he has a weird shot that's super high and behind his head, right? But the thing he has is is really good hands, and he's got really really soft touch. You know, around the basket, it's almost automatic already. You know, anywhere around the basket, he has that, that nice touch, um, both hands. Um, and then he just has the knack. I mean, when you have a big – not not often do you have a big that can pass like, like Jokic does. And, you know, like I, the only one that comes to mind is maybe like Sabonis, you know, like a, a true 
really good passing center. But but yeah, I mean his his numbers, his stat sheet fills up real quickly and 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 discreetly, like you said. You know, and another big guy that I was thinking, and I I forgot about Sabonis, but I'm going even back in that era too. Was the like Bill Beer, right? Bill Beer of the Pistons back in those bad boy Pistons days. He was a big guy, didn't look like in the best shape, didn't have the athleticism. He was a dominant rebounder, and that's where if the size element, like a, a Jokic's size, you can see why he get double-digit rebounds every game. He was a good passer. He actually shot from the perimeter, didn't play with his back to the basket. Now, I'm going to say that, obviously, Jokic has better handles than Lame Beer. Lame Beer was, you pass the ball to him, either he's going to shoot it because no one else is open, or he's going to set a screen and just dish it out and hand it off or so forth and so on. But is it, does, does Jokic have more mobility than maybe I am giving credit for? Like, if you had to guard him, is he a hard guard just to on the dribble drive kind of element? Yeah, no, I think so, for sure. Because, I mean, you, you imagine, right, a typical big, you know, will kind of, you know, uh, do a do a ball screen and roll. But you, you got to respect Jokic's ability to pop, you know. Uh, he hangs around the perimeter. He can get down low. And with the defense that the NBA is running, right, they, they run a lot of, like, you know, switches, right? Uh, all, offenses usually just, just go pick and roll until they get the switch that they want and then they attack the mismatch. But then what you're going to do with, uh, you know, Jamal Murray and, and Jokic ball screen, right? I mean, you kind of got to pick your poison. You want to you wanna try and fight over the top and, and let Jamal Murray get open space to get to his shot or drive to the rim, or are you going to switch and have a small on Jokic? You know, it's real, it's real hard to kind of figure it out, but, but like you said, you know, it's definitely hard to guard someone that can, that can mix it up inside, outside, and also when he gets the ball is, not, is, is, not, uh, is a very willing passer. Derek Lowe joining us on the Aloha Kia Hotline, and... I'm going to switch over a little bit to the Miami Heat because we hear about it's their their teamwork, their culture that has really kind of bred their success from the top down. When you think of Pat Riley, you think of Spolstra, and you think of their top player in Jimmy Butler. So I'm going to put three categories here in terms of a basketball team. You have talent, the element of teamwork, how the five players on the four or five or seven deep will play their roles and, you know, execute on the floor. And the third category is the leadership of the players on the team. So whether that be the top players or there's player or players who have the respect and really nurture and permeate the culture of discipline and work ethic and all that sort of stuff amongst the other players. How would you rank them? Or what do you feel is the most critical element with Miami Heat? Is it the leadership on the team, the way the teamwork is and how the role players play, or the talent? I'm going to go, I'm going to say um, leadership, uh, teamwork, and then talent uh, in that order. You know, I think everything everything goes as your leader does. You know, you have a you have a junk leader, you have someone who is, is, uh, you know, a bad locker room teammate or whatnot, then things can fall apart pretty quickly. Um, as far as the teamwork aspect, I, I think that's really high, you know, and uh, 
evident in team success. I mean, if you if you you got five players on the court, right? If if you have um, one player that is kind of playing for himself, and the four other players are trying to work together, are trying to get each other involved, and playing on selfish basketball, it's still going to be uh, it's, it's it's still not going to work really well. You know, you got one guy that's going to look for himself, and then four people trying to play together. There's always going to be that 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 little. Um, you know, not, you know, trying to hold, hold everyone back. So that, and that's always difficult to play with. And then, of course, you know, talent is always, talent will get you uh, 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 buckets. You know, talent will, will, will get someone to score 15, 20 points and whatnot. But that doesn't mean they're going to be successful as a team. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, the way I see it, like, like you said, if we're talking about Miami Heat, you know, obviously everyone kind of follows the flow of Jimmy Butler, a.k.a. Jimmy Buckets. You know, I really, I really like, you know, he, he's another one too. Like, he is, he is kind of discreet. I, I think he's a little more aggressive than Jokic, but he is discreet too. I just love how he lets the game come to him. He never looks like he's in a rush. He never looks like someone is trying to, you know, uh, make, make him do something he doesn't want to do. He's always under control, but he just, he's just efficient. I think that's a word that I like to use, efficient. And then, um, you know, to add to all of that, you know, when you have a good coach, you know, uh, like Spolstra, I, I think that, that that whole dynamic, you know, it, it makes for a lot of success, which they are experiencing right now. How, you know, people don't talk as much about these two guys, Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. So these are, of course, older veterans. You know, they're on the back nine of their careers. Um definitely obviously can't produce the minutes or the point production that they used to. And these were really high-level NBA players back in their prime. They're past it. And they come to the heat. And obviously, they are able, to, with their egos, you know, they realize what their role is. But And I'm going to throw in Udonis Haslam in there as well, someone who doesn't see any playing time. He's been there. He's pushing 50 years old, I think. And he's still on the roster. But those kind of OGs, how how does that fit in? What influence do they might they be having that maybe we're not talking about? Oh, oh, a hundred percent. They have they have great influence. I mean, that's one thing you can't you can't teach, right? And you can't really replace. I mean, you can have young, new, talented kids, you know, on the roster that that is going to be really good and valuable in years down the road. But you know, you talk about Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. Uh, NBA champions, right? Longtime veterans, people that that know what it feels like to play, you know, deep in the playoffs on a championship team, you know, in a game seven, you know. So that kind of stuff, that kind of experience and knowledge, you you, you can't find other than an older veteran, you know. And just knowing them, their unselfish play, you know, they just want to do what's best for the team and and and, and win games. Um, talk about Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's seasoned. You know, he. He's been competing for at a high level for a very long time, and um, I think the one thing that he has is, you know, he's got toughness and he's got grit, right? He's small, you know. He looks like a, a <laughs> he looks like a roly poly kind of player, <laughs> you know. But you know, he's strong and he's relentless. You know, he's like a he's like a, a like a bulldog, you know. And um, that kind of you need those kinds of players on on every good team has those guys. Um, I, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Um, you know, about, about knowing your, your roles and everyone being on the same page. Um, you know, when we were, uh, when, when, when I was in high school, uh, before every, 
the first practice of every season, Doc Mogishi would line us up and he would go down the line, every single player, you know, what's your role? What's your role? What's your role? Right? And everyone would have to answer. Mm. Okay. And then, of course, you know, um, we went to Kavika Shoji. And then uh, Kavika Shoji was, I think, it was maybe his first year on varsity. But mm-hmm. Doc asked him, and his, and, and his response was, give the ball to Derek. <laughs> okay. And then everyone just kind of laughed. You know, everyone thought everyone just laughed. And then Doc was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Kavika, as good as he was, he was a player of the year himself, right? Um, he knew exactly his role. I'm not saying you got to give me the ball every time, but he <laughs> knew that his job, his job was to go there, rebound, you know, um, and, and, and look for me, you know, because that was my role. You know, my, my role was the leader and, and the scorer and the guy that kind of ran everything. At least Kavika knew where he stood, and that's what made him such a good player, you know. So if everyone knows their role, I mean, that just makes the team so much more better and a lot uh, a better oiled machine. So was that your response when Doc Mugishi went to you? My role is to have the, get the ball and score? Uh, I probably was a little, I had a little more humility when I answered <laughs> that question. I was probably like, oh, you know, I got to, uh, I got to lead the team and, uh, you know, do whatever is best for the team, whether that's scoring or passing or doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I can imagine that. You're more humble. You'll kind of put in perspective into, you know, how the well-oiled machined element, right? Like this is what we need to do to make everything work so much better. So awesome. So I, I okay. So you're going Denver Nuggets. Uh, yep. How many games? Ah, uh, you know, the the Miami Heat is going to make it tough. You know, um, after the first game, right? I think that I think Denver Nuggets had a good game plan. You know, they, they really kind of stayed down on Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. making it hard for him to uh, score against taller, longer players. But then you see the Miami Heat come back and made their adjustments. So I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game, and, you know, it's no shocker. I'll say Game 7 uh, Nuggets. Oh, okay. Game 7. I love it. Hey, Derek, thanks for coming on. Talk- Always good to talk basketball with you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, Dave. All righty. Derek Lowe. He knows a little bit about basketball, I would say. Arguably the best player to come out of this state. We'll take our final timeout, come back, and wrap things up. This is Let's Talk Sports. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Dave Kawada filling in for the great Kanoa Lay. Thanks to Derek Lowe chatting with us. Also, Guy Yamamoto in golf chatting with us earlier. Going back to a little bit to the golf and just sports things, I was thinking about some other disruptors. We're talking about disruptors. How live golf, when they came on the scene, it really disrupted the culture of professional golf and the way things were done. And it, you know, it put disruption puts more of a microscope onto how things are currently because then people relook at the way of doing things. So we gave some examples. Um, I was thinking about movies. I love movies. And the only way you could do it, I mean, still, the only way to see, obviously, uh, no, actually not. I think that I was about to say the only way to see a new release is in the theaters. Yes, you still have that. But now when you have streaming platforms, you can release movies in different way. Now, 
Is our movie better to see in a theater? Yes, I think so. I mean, I love that aspect of the, you know, the bigger sound, the bigger screen, going out, going to a theater, sitting with, you know, so there's that, that environment, the engagement aspect that you want of consuming a movie. But in terms of just accessing it and watching it, the streaming flat platform now really alters and was a disruption on how movies are consumed. And it really was a chain reaction, if you think about it, right? Before, it was only in theaters. Then, you could watch movies, not a, a new release, but HBO with cable. You could watch it there. Then, Blockbuster came out, and you the thing called the VHS cassette, you could get it, rent it, and watch it in the confines of your home whenever you want it, on demand, so to speak. Rent it, bring it home. Netflix messed that up for Blockbuster and put them out of business when you could just mail and order it online. It will be mailed to you, so now you don't have to go to some brick-and-mortar place like Blockbuster. And now with the streaming platform, Netflix, everybody, Amazon Prime, you know it. So think about how consuming movies has just significantly changed all that. Um, big disruptor, how about the pandemic? From how we work suddenly now because of that pandemic we had to rethink how we work never heard of zoom before never conceptualize working from home in the way that a lot of companies are doing and think about how that affected corporate real estate now office space people don't need as much office space they're downsizing so leases are being not renewed and you're looking for a smaller space or no space at all. The station used to have some group conference space, office space. Everybody works from home to this day. I'm the only one here, me and Liz, uh, work at the board. We're the only ones here. And sometimes you can even, you can do a show remotely. No one's here and, and you're hearing a radio show. I'm here. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm real. I'm not AI. I'm actually in studio, in person. Kanoa, it comes in studio. So the pandemic, talk about a disruption in how you do what was normal work really shifted. And you got to adapt. And business owners, uh, business leaders, bosses, you have to rethink how you supervise your people, all that kind of stuff. Well, great show. Until next time, this is ESPN Honolulu.